Hi and welcome to Detox Talks the Detox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Sundirmani and you are listening to Detox Talks the Detox We have Sofia Matweva on the podcast. Sofia is the founder of Tech for Non-Techies, an online community. Sofia has contributed to the Financial Times, The Guardian, and Forbes on entrepreneurship and technology, and has guest lectured at Chicago Boot and the London Business School. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Kunal. It is such a pleasure to be here. Sofia, first things first, I love Tech for Non-Techies. I love what you're working on. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much and you know I just love your enthusiasm. We met via Clubhouse and you just have this energy which is why I think people really love listening to your podcast because you've got so much energy. Speaking to you is like drinking three cups of coffee. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that. Absolutely, please do. It's true. <laughs> uh thanks for that. So Sophia with Tech for Non-Techies and for everything that you do through writing what is it that you look towards as a detox after everything that you do you've guest lectured you've written for some very very reliable and very very renowned sources across the globe so what do you look at as your detox So I think for everybody who is a knowledge worker we need to give our brains a rest So whatever you're doing if you are very intellectually engaged with what you're doing and I have to be intellectually engaged because I teach at some of the world's top business schools I've been writing for some of the world's top publications I run an online course and this is content that I create and teach and it's content about technology so my brain has to be you know really functioning at top speed but the point is none of us can function at top speed all the time In fact, I would suggest and I wonder what your guests would say is that I think you can really function at the top kind of at peak performance maybe for a couple of hours a day. And the other times maybe you can do admin or you can do slightly easier work. So in general, what I do is I do the most complicated stuff in the mornings. The first thing when I wake up my brain is still fresh. I've had some sleep. I've had a strong cup of coffee. that's when i do my writing when i create content when i think of new ideas so make sure that you get it out there and then in terms of detox it's really important to detox your brain with other stuff so i think about technology for work all the time so in order to detox i think about something that is the opposite of technology so dance music art beautiful things things that appeal to your emotions rather than to your logic it's really important to detox the other side of your brain so if you're working with left brain stuff go over to the right brain or if you're working on right brain stuff like i don't know you're a dancer then go over to the left brain that would be my advice and that's what works for me <laughs> i love that looking towards what passive side of yourself if that's a good way to frame it well you know there is such a thing as the ambidextrous brain so the word ambidextrous stands for somebody who is equally good at writing with their right hand as with their left hand i'm not that person i can write with my right hand and not with my left hand 
But the ambidextrous brain is a brain that is going to be logical, capable of maths, capable of figuring out, I guess that's really more for the technology side, but the right side of the brain, that's the creative side. That's the creative, that's the emotional side. And to be a fully fledged human being, we want to be both. Because if you're just logical and you don't have any emotion, well, you're not going to have any friends, are you? But if you're just emotional and you have no logic, you're probably not going to get many things done. So I do think that actually making sure that your brain is balanced in terms of the logic and the emotion, the logic plus the creativity, that in itself is a detox. So if you're doing something very hard, very logical, maybe you're working on some maths or some tech problems, then listen to some music, take a dance class or go for a jog and listen to some music. And then that way you will detox and that way you'll rebalance your brain just from being on one side to being a bit of both. I think finding that right balance is so subjective, but it's so important. And especially when we realize that how different each one of us are, even though a lot of us look very similar with two hands and two feet in the same amount of senses. <laughs> oh, indeed. And, you know, I don't want to say that I've got the balance right, because I don't think it's such a thing. I don't think it's possible to have the balance right. I don't know, maybe the Buddha has it right, but I'm definitely not the Buddha. I'm just a human <laughs> being doing my best every day. But I think it's knowing what to strive for. And I used to be at a point where I didn't allow myself to rest. I didn't allow myself to just read books for enjoyment. You know, I was packing in every single minute with something that I thought was productive. And A, that does not make you happy. You know, we're here, we're living this life, and we should consciously try to live a happy life so if you're just constantly trying to be productive all the time it doesn't make you happy but also there are diminishing marginal returns if you never give your brain a rest if you're constantly working on the same problem your brain will eventually get tired and you won't be able to actually figure the problem out because your brain is too tired so in order to actually create things whatever it is you're creating it doesn't matter what you're creating you have to remember to stop and do something else, which is why, you know, I've got a busy day today, but I've been really looking forward to our chat because I was thinking, Kunal is going to talk to me about detoxing. And so I'm going to have to say something about how I'm taking rest and detoxing, which means I actually have to do it. <laughs> you know, it would be disingenuous of me. If I'm just saying, oh yes, you must take a rest and read something beautiful and go for a walk and smell a flower and then do completely the opposite. So thank you very much, Kunal, for reminding me to take my own medicine. So when was the first time in life you realized that you need to take out time to detox? You know, life forced me to do it, actually. So I was working in a private equity firm in London. And private equity is a sort of high finance. And Lots of people who work in finance, you know, they start in investment banking, they want to work in private equity because apparently that's where all the smart people go and make lots of money. So I got this job in private equity and I was so pleased with myself because getting that job, it's very competitive, it's really hard. And literally my first day at work was 11 hours. And that was a comparatively short day in, you know, given what was to come. And it didn't get any better. And I kind of just 
became a shell of my former self. And then um, I did end up leaving that job and actually moving to India for a year. So I left the private equity job and I moved to Delhi for a year. And, you know, moving from London to Delhi, it's such a change. It's such a big cultural change. And it's not just a cultural change. I'd say it's a cultural shock. It is completely different. And I think the combination of literally being in this job where I was just working all the time, like coming back home at past midnight and then waking up in the morning and just going back to work and then quitting that and then basically going into another world, which was the London to Delhi transition. That was like a slap in the face. What are you doing with your life? How did you end up here? What is going on? You're exhausted. That's when I really began, I would say, trying to figure out what on earth I was doing, what on earth I wanted to do, because I was definitely not emotionally, I was definitely not in the place that I wanted to be. But also I had to take responsibility for my actions. You know, I was the one that took that job. I was the one who stayed there. So I was also responsible for literally just being worked to the bone. And then I think we all get some point in our lives when something happens and we get some kind of clarity and we think, how did I end up here? What's going on? And then you gradually start thinking things have got to change. And then you gradually start making changes. So this was now, gosh, nine years ago. And I would say, you know, it's literally been nine years of consistent change, nine years of constantly tweaking. Some years, much more tweaking than others. But I think now I'm in a place where I'm like, yeah, I run a business that I like. I work a lot, but I like the work that I'm doing. I like the people that I work with. And also, I like what I'm bringing to the world. I know, Kanal, you spoke about impacting the world. I asked you before we started taping today, what would success look like for you? And you said impacting the world. And I really believe that tech for non-techies, we are impacting the world. I am showing people who don't have tech backgrounds that they have opportunities in the tech sector. You don't have to be a computer scientist. You don't have to be a coder to succeed in technology, to become a technology entrepreneur or an investor or to get a job in big tech, for example. And I'm helping people achieve this. I'm giving them knowledge and I'm giving them confidence. And I'm, I'm working very, very hard, but it is not at the same very low emotional level where I was when I was working in the private equity firm in London. So that's a very, very long answer to your question. But I think for all of us, we realize that we need a detox when somehow life has just slapped us in the face. <laughs> so nine years later, through all the lessons, all the tweaking, when you have a bad day, how do you detox? So I'm just going to be honest with you here, Kunal, because... You know, I would love to say to you, yes, I meditate and then I do all these wonderful things and then I go for a jog and then I find my peace. But you know what? I'm a human. So sometimes that's the case. But, you know, honestly, sometimes it's eight hours of Netflix and a couple of glasses of wine. Um, also, what I, I remember, um, I had a very, I, mean, I can tell you this, I think every single one of us, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how successful you are. When your mom is mean to you and when your mom tells you off, it just still hurts and you just feel like a five-year-old who's done something wrong. And I remember actually fairly recently, my mom got really mad at me 
and I had work to do, I had things to do, and I had to just stop working. And I just sat there and, and I cried, I cried. And the fact that now I am this successful woman running successful business with things to do, and I'm sitting there crying because my mom told me off, that made me even more mad. And so I was trying to calm myself down, but the more I was trying to calm myself down, the more upset I was getting. So then I just realized that's like, you just have to go with it. You know, when you are upset, the worst thing you can do is tell yourself, okay, snap out of it. Because in general, what you resist persists. So I literally was like, okay, I can move the meetings I have. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to have a cry. I'm going to get some chocolate cake. And then I'm going to call my friend. And you know, that's what I did. So I had a cry. I ate my chocolate cake. I spoke to one of my best friends because, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. A friend's love is one of the most beautiful detoxing things that we can have. And especially in this time when many of us are isolated, many of us are alone, you know, I live by myself. And so, yes, of course, that you can feel isolation. But actually, I think isolation is a choice because you can still connect. You can still feel somebody's love. So I would say when you're having a really bad day, yes, you can do all the kind of going for a walk and smelling a flower and meditating. But sometimes that stuff just doesn't work. Sometimes you need a cry and the love of a friend. <laughs> I love that. I think very often just being a five-year-old is so detoxing. Well, I think also we don't really have any choice because the thing is, we're all human and it doesn't matter how many things you've achieved. I get things done, but I still have the occasional meltdown. It's just now I think I know that it's okay if I'm having the occasional meltdown. It doesn't matter. Like, I will get up. I will carry on. I think it's just part of the human experience. And the more we pretend that, oh, every day you've got to be happy. Every day you've got to feel like you've got it together. I just don't think that's realistic. It's not realistic for anybody. Way too big expectations for ourselves, just in the rut of achieving something. <laughs> yes, and the thing is, I want to say that we can still achieve things. So I have achieved things. I have to say, I mentioned I've taught at some of the world's top business schools. I run a profitable business. I have grown that business during the pandemic. And I've helped, you know, my work actually helps people achieve their dreams. Actually, I've started a podcast. So like you, I'm following in your footsteps, the Tech for Techies podcast is growing in its audience and, you know, I'm getting good reviews. I'm very happy with it. And so I am very, very productive. But what I've learned is that unless you stop the productivity to just be a human, you just won't be productive for, for that long. You need to stop and allow yourself. Sometimes it's having a little cry. Sometimes it's having a glass of wine. Sometimes it's watching eight hours of Netflix that's okay. Like literally last weekend, I'm currently writing a book and I'm writing a book which is based on the course that I teach. So it's the non-technical founders introduction to technology. And it's really hard work. And Canal, it is making my brain ache. And by the time I got to last weekend, I think I was illiterate. I literally, I couldn't read. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. It was like somebody put my brain in the juicer and there was nothing, <laughs> nothing left. So I watched Ginny in Georgia on Netflix for about five hours. Felt much better. <laughs> so that was a detox. Highly recommended. What's the last movie that you really enjoyed? Oh my gosh. Last movie that I really enjoyed. That is a good question. You know what? 
can I tell you a movie that I have enjoyed, but I don't think it's the last movie because I can't remember what the last movie I watched was. <laughs> sure, anything. I think it's really more about yeah. something that you connected with or more, or just something that you had fun watching. I think I'm out of my list of movies to watch. So this is very personal. <laughs> well, okay. So this isn't a fun movie, but it, it's a memorable movie. It's called The Talented Mr. Ripley. Have you ever watched it? I haven't. So... Literally, I watched that movie years ago and I still think about it. You know how some stories, they just get into your bones and they just kind of so big and so powerful about the human experience that like even now I'm talking about I can feel my hair standing up in my head. So I'm not going to give away the story because the story is interesting. But essentially, it is about a man from a poorer background who then gets into a social group of some very, very wealthy people. And when he is in the social group, he sees this life and he wants it so, so much. He is basically willing to do all sorts of things to keep that life, which he does. And it's a story of inequality, but it's also, it's a story of betrayal. It's a story of love. It's a story of desire. It's kind of like, all of the big human emotions that are in there, but also it's a story about choice because, you know, we all have a choice and we've all been in situations. And I know everybody listening to this can think of a situation that they've been in where they have made a choice either to go to the dark side or to the light side. And sometimes it can be really, really tempting to cross over to the dark side. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we have. And I think that's why the story of the talented Mr. Ripley really kind of penetrated me to the core of my bones, because it was a story about a human choice, about seeing something that you desperately want, and then the choices you make as a human being and who or what you can become. So I highly recommend it to the audience, but not if you're feeling kind of unstable. It's not a comedy. It is not a light movie. It's, it's a heavy movie, but it's brilliant. <laughs> it is on my watching list. Excellent. So overall today, when you look back, any moments as such that, that really come to you that, oh, wow, I'm so happy. This is a moment that really defined me. Well, I think interesting that you say moments that really define us. Uh, I'm going to have to think about them in a second because it's easy to talk about what defines the business. Actually, you know what? I will use Techphone Techies as an example because that's what I'm thinking about most of the time these days. So, and hopefully it will inspire people. Because when I began my first company, so I launched my first company when I was doing my MBA at Chicago Booth. And Chicago Booth is constantly ranked as the world's top number one business school. It's where Barack Obama used to teach before he went into politics. So, you know, it's an impressive place. And when I was there, I was doing my MBA and I decided to launch a technology startup. But I had no idea about tech whatsoever. But still, I was like, I will just figure it out. And then I ended up becoming a non-technical founder of a tech business. That's when I really started getting extremely insecure because a lot of the technology industry looks down at non-technical people. Essentially, non-technical people are kind of seen as almost like the support staff to support the genius of the engineers and the data scientists. So there's this kind of perceived inequality and literally there were people who wouldn't invest in me because I'm a non-technical founder and I was getting quite a lot of trouble and also I believed all of this. I believed that 
oh, if I don't know how to code, that means that I will never be a success in this industry. And this, this is on top of having you know, worked in private equity, on top of having had this brilliant MBA and this great network. I was thinking, oh, there's a thing I still don't have. And only if I had this thing, then everything would be okay. And I think we humans, we all have some kind of thing that we think, if only I had this thing, then everything would be fine. So if only I had this amount of money, or if only I had this kind of partner, or if only I had this kind of degree, or if only I lived in this country, then everything would be easy. Which obviously it's not true, because the moment we get it, we then decide that we want another thing. So I think what the reason why I want to talk about techno and techies here is, is that I saw myself being a non-technical founder as a massive, massive negative. But then I started teaching what I was learning as a non-technical founder. I started literally just giving talks on this to other non-technical founders. And then people started paying me for it. And then it became a course. And a student from London Business School asked me to teach them. And it grew. And then by accident, Tech for Non-Techies grew literally because people were asking for this and people were paying me for it. And it's interesting because now the thing that I was so insecure about, the thing that I thought was really bad, the thing that I wished I didn't have, like I wished I wasn't a non-techie, now that very thing is the foundation of a successful business, the foundation of a successful podcast. And it is also the thing that has actually helped people to build companies and get good jobs and make the right investments. And so the reason why I'm saying it defines me is that as I was saying, we have a choice. And I looked at something, you know, I, I, did, I did spend a couple of years just feeling insecure, feeling really bad about it. But eventually I was like, okay, well, this is it. So what am I going to do? Am I going to go to Stanford and get a computer science degree? No, I'm not. So I'm going to stay a non-technical founder. I can either sit here and feel bad and be embarrassed about it, and people will know anyway, or I can wear it on my sleeve and I can be like, yes, I am a non-technical founder, and this is why it's great. And let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about what I know, and let me tell you about what I don't know and why I don't need to know it. And so it's about making a choice, and it's about being like, this is me, this is it, and I think it's pretty darn good. That was fantastic. It was so deep on so many levels. Thank you. I love a compliment. You know, I'm, <laughs> as I keep on saying, I am a human, so anything that strokes my ego... Please go ahead. <laughs> I, I love the way you're very open about about talking about ego, ADC. In, as it's a society we've become egoistic that we're scared to talk about stuff like ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kunal, I think this is what's so great about being entrepreneurs. And this is why I wonder what you think. Because I think as an entrepreneur, it is easier to be open about this stuff because... I'm not afraid of, you know, my boss thinking, oh, that was a bit too emotional. That was a bit too much. We're very serious corporate people here. So I feel like I can be more myself because I run my own thing. And, you know, if somebody doesn't want to listen to my podcast, if somebody doesn't want to work with me, you know, lots of other people do. So it's okay if they don't. But I do think that it's harder for people who are in companies. But Kanal, you, you know, you obviously, you have a voice, you're reaching lots and lots of people. So I wonder what, what do you think of that? Do you feel you're more free to be yourself because you're an entrepreneur? I think most definitely. I, I feel like entrepreneurship to use limit is a personal choice. 
and that's one thing for anyone who does decide to become an entrepreneur so one thing i found way too common through my trips around the world and speaking at different universities different places at different at different venues around the world it's been if you talk to an entrepreneur from a town you've never been in who's built something and you're an entrepreneur who's built something you're probably going to have a two hour conversation going to find a million things in common and yes the- that's true <laughs> that's true it transcends boundaries and it doesn't matter where you're from it also doesn't really matter so much what kind of business that you run because you've all been through some difficult right. things you've survived you're a bit kind of baffled bruised you're totally right the entrepreneurship community is awesome it's a mindset entrepreneurship is definitely not a job for most people for most entrepreneurs i know they go on and start a second venture i've personally started more than one venture and through i think it's a mindset it's definitely a mindset of getting into industries you have no idea about being ready to be wrong being ready to be proved wrong being ready to someone make a fool of you there and it's very difficult but i think it, when you meet other entrepreneurs it, it connects because entrepreneurship has so many things in common with any other entrepreneur it's a way of being it's a mindset so just because someone else is in any business and he started something he's built something he she has so much in common with you that you can just connect the connect is present regardless yes, exactly. of of anything i think it unites a lot of people together the connect is present regardless of age regardless of gender regardless of race regardless of location regardless of anything that that separates mankind from mankind and coming to like a more deeper point so i think it's really a choice of being because it is a state of being you connect with uh, you do not connect with a lot of people but then you connect with a very few people but when you do connect with someone you just connect with entrepreneurs regardless of even if you don't know anything about them you just connect with them <laughs> oh but, absolutely yes absolutely but for someone who's not an entrepreneur i think it's very important so this is so again because it's such a personal choice if you do, someone does the sign to uh, go another way which is perfectly normal because you need to find what's a right fit for you not everyone can do a job not everyone can start a business there it's a major major commitment on both ends oh absolutely you know now i actually don't think i would be a very good employee honestly so when i look at people who've done very well in big companies <laughs> i look at them and i think how how <laughs> i don't understand and you know i began my career working at a large media company and i've got this friend so me and her kind of we started at around the same time and i remember we were having lunch together in london when you know you could still have lunch together and she made partner in this firm and and at this point i was running my first company when we have when we having a chat and so you know i'd had investors we had our app had been used by thousands of people we had, we had all sorts of good media coverage and so me and my friend were catching up and she said to me i don't understand how you're doing what you're doing there's no way i could do it and i looked at her and i said i don't understand how you're doing what you're doing there is no way i could do it because her path is completely different and you know i left that company because i was thinking i don't know how to navigate the corporate politics i don't know how to do this because you know i don't want to say that oh entrepreneurs are better than employees that's definitely not the case because when i see people succeeding in big companies to me i'm just looking at this and i'm like this is magic i don't know how you managed to do it so personally most entrepreneurs that i do know are unhireable 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I would definitely say I'm definitely unhirable or very fireable. But <laughs> would you hire yourself? <laughs> would I? Well, so I mean, obviously, I have hired myself because I run my own business. <laughs> so I have already done that. I can tell you right now, actually, Kamal, I'm having a slight moment of insecurity because <laughs> for this summer, I'm hiring MBA interns. And they're going to be MBA interns from Chicago Booth. So people who are doing the MBA right now at Chicago Booth. And so I've interviewed a few people and they're all really good. I mean, obviously they're very good. They're going to the World's Top Business School. And anyway, they're all very good. They did all this research. They're so organized. They're ready. They've got ideas for what to do during the summer to take my business forward. And honestly, I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, I, I hope I don't let them down. And you know, I started getting nervous about actually bringing them on board and then not being a disappointment and making sure that they have a good experience and that I am the kind of boss that they deserve. So to your point of what I hire myself is, I think, you know, that's something I'm constantly asking myself. And this is why, you know, it does push me to grow. And literally, I was thinking like, you know, in a way, when you get a job, when you're working for somebody, you're kind of hiring them as your boss. And I was thinking, if I'm going to ask these people to hire me as their boss, I'm going to have to be really, really good. So constantly improving to keep on hiring myself, Canal. That is the answer to your question. So if you're sitting in a chair right now to hire a new employee for any genre role and an exact duplicate of you walks in, would you hire that person? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I actually did. There is one one of the potential interns that I, I just know, I'm like, I don't quite know what you're going to do for me, but I just know it's going to be magic because mm-hmm. that's what I'm good at. I'm kind of good at looking at, a, at an open space and being like, okay, this is where the opportunity is. Let's just go and do it and let's go and figure it out. What I'm not so good at is sitting there and making a long analysis and making lots of PowerPoint slides and I do think that once you, your business grows to a certain point, you do need somebody who is going to work on frameworks and analysis and market entry and all of this kind of thing. Whereas I'm more like, I see general direction, let's just go for it and figure it out as we go along. Because, you know, that's my personality. It's the way I find that fun. <laughs> Moving on to the rapid fire round. These are a couple of quick questions. Answer them in five seconds or less. Okay. You wake up in 2050, what's the first thing you do? I'm going to be kissing my grandchildren and my husband at this point and stroking my dog. (laughs) You wake up in 2030, what's the first thing you Google? The stock price of my company. (laughs) What is your dream house? So my dream house definitely has a garden and a pool and a jacuzzi. And probably some marble columns as well. So we're going for like properly grand Italian type villa. Not sure if it's going to be in Italy, but an Italian type villa somewhere. That would be a dream house with family and pets, but no birds in cages. (laughs) Your favorite movie? I would go back to The Talented Mr. Ripley. Your favorite series? Orange is the New Black. Favorite artist? Titian. He was an Italian painter from the Renaissance and I love the way he uses colour to tell a story and to tell a dramatic story in his paintings. 
Netflix or Amazon Prime? 100% Netflix. I've tried Amazon Prime and their usability is pretty rubbish. <laughs> Netflix or Disney Plus? Never tried Disney Plus. I'm staying loyal to Netflix. It just keeps me entertained. It's like my friend now. <laughs> Netflix or Extra Sleep? Oh, definitely Extra Sleep. Sleep is the most important thing. Uh, perfect. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure hosting you. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I absolutely love this. And if people want to come and check me out, then then check out the Techno Techies podcast. And if you are interested in building your own tech product, but you don't know where to start and you're a non-technical founder, just go to techfunontechies.co and get a free guide at uh, techfunontechies.co forward slash free dash guide, which will tell you what to do and what to avoid. Fantastic. You just heard an episode on the Detox podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.